Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 122, Garden Planning. Today's show is brought to you by Candace Hunter Creations. Candace Hunter Creations, connecting people with plants to create a natural and healthy lifestyle. Find her at CandaceHunter.com. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach integrated health clinic that has been serving the public since October of 2011. We are a 501c3, and if you need tax-deductible donation, just contact us at www.occupy-medical.com. And Hunter Creation, graphic design and website designers, putting your ideas to the world. And Ace High Heat Graphics, uh, custom-printed t-shirts, hats, caps, aprons, you name it. If they can print on it or press on it, you can get it done. Get, uh, visit them at acehighheatgraphics.com. And Patrick, we actually have an honorary sponsor I wanted to mention. Oh, we do? And we honorary do. sponsor. Honorary. Right. And that I discovered in the, fun- the first issue of the Journal of Functional Medicine, which is the new journal being oh, put out yes. by the Eclectic School of Herbalism. That's uh-huh. Thomas Easley and Terry Easley. Uh-huh. Uh, we have an ad at the back. I thought that was awfully sweet of them. Yes. Aww, so there's thanks, a guys. lovely ad there for Real Herbalism Radio. I want to give a shout out to them. A big thank you. And if y'all want to check it out, we'll have the link to the functional or Journal of Functional Herbalism in our show notes. Their first premier issue is out now. And I believe the second one is due to come out mid-March. And if you are interested in more information about Thomas Easley, we do have a couple of podcasts about him. And he has a wonderful book out that mm-hmm. if you go to our book references, then you can click on that and purchase it through our Amazon affiliate program, which will um, not only help him, but it gives if you go through our link, then that helps us That's as well. Awesome. Yes, I highly recommend it. It's an excellent book. Yeah. Well, Thanks, and, guys. You know, and some people have asked us, how, how can we support you through that program? And I just thought it was a no-brainer. You you click on something and you go. So somebody we know is looking for a button. So if, if you want to help out the Practical Herbalist, just go to any product that we have anywhere in the store that is an Amazon affiliate, Amazon affiliate link. Mm-hmm. Once you click there, it'll take you to that product on Amazon. You can choose to buy that product or not. But if you have other shopping to do, that's a great entry point in and that anything that you purchase – during that period of time, we'll get a little, uh, a little uh, referral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's the book or it's a digital camera or it's a set of knives. It just doesn't matter. Right. And it won't cost it. you anything but, extra. And, yeah. Yep. No you're, cost to you. Help to us. Yes, exactly. So anytime you're purchasing, that's the way to do it. In fact, I keep thinking about this. We should do that as much time as we're on Amazon. We should. <laughs> yes. And I have. I have a couple you know, times. So. I don't. See, and I'm bad because I don't think about it. It's a matter of changing habits. Right. The other thing that I wanted to uh, say as a sponsor is the Herbal Nerd Society. They're one of the main reasons why we can continue to bring the podcast to you each and every week. Mm -hmm. Yes. So to become a member of the Herbal Nerd Society, it's only $4.99 a month. And you buy that in one quarter or year, you know, quarterly blocks or three month block. And you could also do it for the year, which is $49.99 a month. Or for the year, excuse me, which is like 17 cents a day, I think. Yeah. yeah. So. And uh, speaking of Thomas Easley, he's going to be on one of those special little pieces that, yes, we do have podcasts, but this is a very special interview just for people that are Nerd Society members coming up. It's called the Let's Talk series. Let's Talk series. Right. Yes. So if you visit our site and you see a Let's Talk article, 
and you're like, I can't, I can't get to that. Mm-hmm. You have to become a member of the Herbal Nerd Society. That's just one of the things that the Herbal Nerds get That's is right. access to special interviews and extended talks from our guests. So it's really kind of a neat thing. They throw a couple shillings our way, and then we throw some wisdom theirs. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, on with the show. So, with spring fast approaching, we herbalists are already dreaming of planting season. How do we move beyond the old standards, fruits, veg, and smattering of culinary herbs? How do we get our whole farm thrumming along, even if we're urban farmers? Today, we'll be talking about practical plans for the herbal gardening in the city or the countryside. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Hey, hey, hey. All right. So, yeah, here we go. I'm so excited about this podcast because I love gardening. I know. You are really good at it, too. Well, yeah, there's living things. That's that's all I'm looking for. It's just a few living items. But it's this is the time of year, and I, there are some people like, why are they talking about gardening now? It's January. Because this is when gardening porn comes through the door. Yes. This is when you get the seed catalogs. and This is when gardeners pull out their pens and papers and yep. start Circle scrawling it. and circling and diagramming. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Yep. Which I didn't understand that much coming from a very cold climate because we didn't, in that climate, it was March when you were planning. Right. Because you didn't plant until after Mother's Day. Well, we, in my family, my parents didn't really sit down and scrawl out after the first few years that we were in the house with the size garden. Yeah, Yeah. because they they did the same things every year with their their garden. And eventually they didn't really even, they just knew, oh, there's going to be, you know, this many tomatoes we have to start and this many we have to start of this and this and this. Yeah, and they had cold frames. Yeah, but you know. But you begin starting them in March. So you really have to spend some time in February and or January planning it out. Know, maybe mm-hmm. in the in the Arctic North where I grew up, no one started anything. It was still too cold. They did. Your family just didn't. Uh, but the point <laughs> is that when we moved to this side of the country, the growing season is completely different. Right. Yes. So you can grow all year long. Yeah. Yeah. And people do. Right. In fact, yeah. We are yeah. fortunate to have really three growing seasons here. Mm-hmm. And I was just amazing. out today gardening, doing weeding in between the, the rows of the of beets, which were... Um, I guess they're all at this point, uh, four inches in diameter. So, wow, that's nice. Yeah. So they can be pulled out and the kale is still, yeah, but we haven't really had, it's January and we haven't really had our snow yet, which it could be, we get some, it's been a little bit of a dry winter, which causes us some concern for drought, of course. Right. Especially since we had a fire season that was, uh, Severe, problematic. At the end of last year, yeah. yeah, it really was. So hopefully we'll get some more snowpack in, and we'll get some snow on our streets to kill those fleas. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I have to say, I haven't noticed that the snow or the frost here is cold enough to really put to stop any of those critters in their tracks. They just put on their parkas oh. and they keep on. They do. Around. They yeah. go into hibernation because it's only. I mean, we don't. Our snow lasts for like what three days, four days maximum. Well, we mm-hmm. haven't even had any yet this year. 
Yeah. Um, no, I mean, even, yeah. even when we have them, we, we usually have it's it in not December very much. And, and it's a short duration. So, and it doesn't freeze, like the ground doesn't freeze as a part of that. No, it's only so. here in the last couple of years, it's only got that top layer that's actually frozen. Mm-hmm. And we, like mm-hmm. last year, we actually had an extended period of time of very cold weather. Yeah. I've noticed though that it depends on the year, of course, but when we have some really good freezes, then the flea season, there's always a flea season, but it's not as bad. Right. Yeah. But when you have a drier, and um, warmer winter and then yeah. oh man it's gonna be miserable and i i keep my cats inside except sure. for godzilla godzilla stays outside but he has his own little cat box but they're yeah. still you know they people come in they come in the house with their oh my dog would like to visit your cats oh my cats see the world differently mm-hmm. no but they bring their little fleas in there and it's a little it's a pain in the neck but for gardening a freeze is also really important because if you're if you for some people they just have their wildflowers and they're they don't really do anything to them they they let them reseed on their own and some yeah, of those wild freeze for those yeah, yeah some like of the them, sweet peas and peas do better if they've been frozen yeah a lot of them do it some people like to store their theirs in the freezer some mm-hmm. um are really fragile and they, you know, the warmer weather ones, like I don't put tomato seeds in the freezer. No. I've no. never done that. But for other things, the squashes and uh, the wildflowers like echinacea and milk thistle, um, yeah. if you're planting sycamore. And there, lupines. I and know the lupines. lupines need, yeah. Uh-huh. They need a freeze. Um, nine, Pacific nine bark, people that are, are those kind of, yeah. they're a little sturdier, then they do better if you, if yeah. you freeze them, put them in the freezer. Some people, if they're storing their seeds uh, they've already done this already, but they've dried their seeds. Like I dried my squash mm-hmm. seeds so they wouldn't be, I wouldn't get them all moldy. Yeah. And I plan to stick them in the freezer too and yeah. see if I can just like a, a week before I put them in the ground. Yeah. I know with like peas, like the Cascadia peas that are bred for this area, you only really have to put them in for like 24 hours. Yep. So you can get by it. with, yeah, you can yep. get by with short spans. Yep. But I imagine the ones that are bred for colder climates for sure would need a little bit longer of a freeze because right. they are naturally should have a longer freeze. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing to keep in mind is once you pull them out of the freezer, you put them in the ground. Yeah, straight away. Yep. yep. <laughs> I mean, you can soak them overnight. Like with the peas, yeah. I like to put mine in a in a quart jar and fill it with water overnight. So it mm-hmm. starts to kind of sprout a little bit more. But uh Oh man! So yeah, the first step difference. the first step in garden planning is to figure out which things need to be frozen and which don't, and plan out when and how you're going to do that, mm-hmm. and make your best guesses on what the weather's going to do. Yep. I mean, yep. We could still get snow in that we're for far enough latitude is far enough north, mm-hmm. but I think it's less likely to see it anytime after like mid February. Yeah. Although the first year we were here, we got. The second yeah. year we here, we got six inches of snow that in yeah, March. Yeah, in March. Yeah. yeah. It was horrible. People were yeah. freaking out. Yeah, it was. It was horrible. <laughs> we were mad. We're like, this isn't right. We didn't move across the country for more snow. Take this back. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned into rain. Yes, yeah. rain I love. Oh, Even cold rain I love. The right place. Uh, yeah, the, the other thing to keep in mind right now is Taking a look at some of your any winter damage of plants in the garden. Yeah. So with some plants, like anything in the prunus family, cherries or apricots or things like that, you don't 
prune those in general unless no. they have damage, like a broken right. branch or crossing branches that are rubbing because then you can have infection. But for the most right. part, they don't they don't need or like they're to better be off being with. pruned after they flowered. Yeah, that's when you're really supposed to prune those. Yeah, but those that I have. Uh, of course, if you have winter damage to the plants, then you need to, You're gonna need to take care right. of that. And yeah. some of the cross ones, especially in these these windstorms that we get here, yeah, that can cause rub damage. Yeah, yeah, and then the bugs can come in, and yeah. you've got a you've got more of an issue. So those are things that you constantly have to keep an eye on. Um, there are plants that are oh man, they're just I have a wild rose that oh, I prune yeah. whenever. Like, yeah, the roses. In fact, the rose that you gave me that um, was that a dogwood rose, right? Uh huh. Yeah, it's much ganglier than I expected. It's all over the place. Uh-huh. I thought it was going to be more of a compact, like it would grow like maybe six feet long canes. Oh. No, they're more like 12 yeah. to 15 feet. I'm like, oh, okay. Just hack Current them back placement isn't great, but <laughs> but I'm, I've got, got plans to get out early this year. Normally I wait until closer to end of February, sometime in March. Yeah. But this year I think it would be wise to get the pruning done early because I have a feeling things are going to start to pop soon. Yep. And that one, you know, I used to keep it pretty short. That um, that was only like five feet tall maximum. Yeah. When it was at its height of its growing season, and yeah, I didn't. It, I had prune lots it. of buds off of that. I didn't prune it last year um, because we had just put it in in the fall, and I wanted to wait for it to establish its, its roots before I really trimmed back much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this year it was all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, it's kind of close to the gate, so it's caught people <laughs> on the way mm-hmm. in and out, which I find humorous. That's right. horrible, but this year's the one getting caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I've been caught on it. So yeah, it's got some thorns on it. Yeah. Uh, one great thing about planting things is the winter. In the winter, is that you're not uh, distracted by the foliage. So you can just see the bones of the garden and make, like, well, do I need to bring in a, a structure plant like a tree or a shrub or would an arbor be good here? Because you don't have all the tomato plants and the frilly little bits that sometimes it's hard to imagine them gone Yeah, to make plants. So it's good to look out at a bare garden and, you know, make, well, I would like to see this moved or that moved or or yeah. bring in something new or. Yeah, for me no. in the quiet of the winter, like this time of year, December, January, early February, it's the time where I can clear my mind about my intention for what I want to do in my garden. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to look at like my books and my sources for new with fresh eyes of which plants I might want to consider and what I think might or might not fit. Mm-hmm. And then I make a big list and then I just kind of put it out there for universe to help me find those plants and bring them into my life and yeah often it works and if it doesn't work that exactly the stuff on my list shows up other things show up and often i find that the things that show up will probably do better where i've got the place i've got and they cover the same bases medicinally so Mm. it works nice i have a challenge for our listeners and that is for for every year try a new native plant even if you're just a balcony gardener, mm-hmm. trying something new that maybe the hummingbirds would like or a little potted plant that the butterflies might enjoy, try something like that just because the native plants get a little ignored, but mm-hmm. there are a bounty of them out there. So that's yeah. And they'll grow more easily in wherever, wherever you're doing it. So yeah. once you get them established, they should require little care, mm-hmm. which will allow exactly. you to... 
enhance your garden, but not have to work harder at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I put in some snowberry and it was so nice to see it this year because it, it has these beautiful white berries. Yeah. Snowberry is really pretty. Yeah. And they, they're there throughout the winter. So even though it's kind of a dark little corner, the snowberry pokes out. And now that I've seen where they go, I put that viburnum in the uh, cramp bark. Mm -hmm. So I put that in there with it. So it'll have a nice contrast nice. in the spring. And then I'm going to add some more Oregon grape, probably the aquifolium in the back to provide more of a, a I already have a fence there, but a visual boundary between yeah. me and my neighbor. Yeah, it's nice to have an extra protective layer next to your fence. Yep. And uh, Oregon grape and snowberry work together well just in the wild, so I know they'll be mm -hmm. good companions. They're good companions medicinally as well, mm -hmm. because the snowberry is very much like the red root. It's the same cilianothis. Mm. So, and I've used both of them for the same thing, so moving lymph. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful when you use that with Oregon grape, who's helping deal with the viruses and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. So it's a good companion planting, both in the garden and in your pantry. Yeah, and if you... How are using these native plants, then it's much easier to figure out wh where, you know, well, obviously it's going to do well with your soil, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. you've got the soil there and you don't have to go messing with it and adding fertilizers and everything just once it's getting established, then take some care of it. And then uh, keep in mind, I, I always remind gardeners, even experienced ones, that that adorable plant will get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> right. So figure out how big it will be at its max and just a lot room for that. It doesn't mean it's going to be the biggest that it says in the garden books, but always a lot of footprint for that so yeah. that you don't end up having to transplant the dang thing yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that a good thing. Yeah. And now let's move on to raised beds, shall we? Because y'all did oh, some yeah. big raised beds this year. Yeah. Raised beds are... I think they're a wonderful blessing for our area mm -hmm. um, because they allow the soil to draw, dry out faster. So when we get the proper amount of rain, our soil is pretty waterlogged, which makes it kind of hard to plant straight in the ground. Yeah. And then in my particular situation, we have a lot of bindweed, which will take over everything. Oh, and Lord, it does. It yes. takes hostages. Yeah, it does. So yeah. when I put down, put in my raised beds, I put down a layer of lawn cloth and then I put the raised bed on top of that. The black lawn the black cloth. cloth. Yeah, okay. the, the, like the extra sturdy stuff that they say can go under like pavers and gravel and stuff. Okay. The really sturdy stuff. That's what I put down yep. to help prevent the bindweed from getting in. Mm -hmm. And then I haul in fresh soil from elsewhere that's organic and whatnot. So that that way, I'm not putting more bindweed into my new bed. Yes, <laughs> so, uh, you know. it's it's it, <clears throat> there. Every area has their little naughty bits, the naughty little plants that become very invasive. Uh, anyone that has ever told me that, oh, I have this great bamboo. Would you like to have a shoot of it? I think it's funny you should mention the word shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you're not bringing that to my house right i'm gonna eat it i'll eat it you know make yeah. it into tea perhaps but i'm not yeah. gonna put it in the ground yeah if you actually bring yeah. bamboo to my house i will shoot you yes. and for reference the bindweed that we have here is a species of morning glory it's the one that has the tiny little white flowers and mm -hmm. is not particularly showy i don't know if it was a garden cultivar that got loose or oh, where probably. it came from yeah let's just yeah probably yeah. and it 
and it, any tiny little bit of the root turns into a new plant. Yes. And the challenge with it, medicinally speaking, because like the mint, I have spearmint. It's, it's, on, the, over, it's yeah. on the edge of out of control, but it's okay for me because every time I pull it up, I take it in and use it for medicine. Mm -hmm. And it makes great compost. Yeah. And it makes good compost. And so it's, it's fine because, and you can use, I mean, you can use handfuls of mint at a time. Mm -hmm. The morning glory, on the other hand, you cannot use handfuls. It's a very low dose botanical, which means that you're using a really small amount of it in any given medicine, but it produces like rabbits. Oh, <laughs> I mean, man. it's just like, Everywhere. it's abundant. Yeah. It's very abundant and it's very um, strong. Like in the, it hangs on tight to wherever it's managed to get into. Yep. And the roots will flow into an area for a season or two before they shoot up. So you don't know that they're there necessarily. So you're constantly battling it. Do your chickens yeah. or ducks eat the bindweed? Um, Annie tried it last Annie season. Annie is the goose. Annie's our goose and, mm -hmm. and she tried it. And she tried it and made it quite clear she was trying it because I insisted. Mm -hmm. And she did not want a second helping. Okay. So I don't know how much I'm going to get her to eat it. What about the chickens? They were less enthralled with it too. Huh. They weren't thinking it was really exciting, but I'm going to probably do more work with Try that this year. Again, maybe yeah. put some dressing. Occupy Medical is a free street reach integrated health clinic that demonstrates by example that healthcare really is a human right. We're an all volunteer clinic of doctors, nurses, herbalists, and others working together to heal the community. What kind of donations are you guys looking for? We need vitamins, herbs, socks, toothbrushes, and of course, good old-fashioned money. You can find a complete list of our needs and contact information at occupy-medical.org. Occupy Medical is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. My, yeah. just kidding guys, uh, my chickens love the bindweed. Oh, do they? So Perhaps occasionally... I'll bring a bushel for you. No, you won't. I won't do that. Uh, they... They, I, I occasionally pull it out, you know, because it gets yeah. dropped from wherever and, and throw that to them. And they, oh, they have opinions and they have talked while they're nibbling at it. But it, maybe nice. it's because it's so novel. I don't have that, that much be. of it. Yeah. Or it could be, I mean, my, I didn't raise my hens from, from young. I, right. I adopted them. You didn't raise them from seed like yeah, I did? From seed, okay. Yeah. yeah. I adopted them. <laughs> so if they didn't get any of it when they were young, maybe they never developed a taste for it. Yeah, maybe. I've read that with ducks and geese especially, and I'm guessing it's the same with chickens, that what, what they develop a taste for when they're young. Like if you really want them to weed out specific weeds, then give them a lot of that when they're young and get uh -huh. them to eat it then. Uh -huh. And that that will, they'll then be more likely to eat that in future. Mm. So when you're using, because there are farmers that use geese as uh, weeders. That's yes. their job. Yeah. So yeah. that's how they teach them which things to eat and which to not. Yeah. Is Here by, in Oregon, we get the yeah. mint fields that are very famous, yeah. Oregon mint. And they would throw the geese, at, well, they didn't throw them. You know, I didn't have like a t-shirt cannon for geese, but they, they release the geese into the field to do the weeding because they yeah. don't like the mint. Yeah. And so far, everybody out there has not really liked the mint very much, Yep, which is perfectly fine by me. Right. Most Except that bugs. they do like digging up the mint. So that wasn't so great because I think uh, I've lost all or most of my mojito mint oh. patch because I think the chickens decided to dig it up. Oh. But, you know, we can always get more. Yep. It's mint. It'll, it's a it'll, mint. It'll be okay. Some more. So what about this this raised bed thing? You had mentioned that one of the problems, one of the great things about raised beds is they dry 
it, the dry, it does dry, dry it out. Dry. And for a wet climate, that's awesome. But yeah. for people living in hot atmospheres or really dry atmospheres, yeah. that that would be a disadvantage for them. Yeah. When we lived in Minnesota, the challenge I had with raised beds was that they would stay frozen longer than the other the ground. Really? Because Why? Because the ground would start to well, the ground has thermal thermal energy it picks up from the sunlight and whatnot as spring comes on, hmm. and it radiates across itself better, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I just noticed that my raised beds would be colder longer than the ground was. Mm. So, and my raised beds were not very tall. And I suspect if they were taller, it would be colder even longer. Like the raised beds that you, y'all made are? The ones we have here in now are, it's two feet tall. Mm-hmm. I, the intention is to put them closer to waist high because I have a challenges with my back from right. a car accident some years ago. And so, you know, the bending over and stooping is really, really bad for me. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why we use raised beds here. Yep. And back in Minnesota, I it was pre-car accident. And, well, it was pre and then eventually post, but we moved. So mm-hmm. either way, the raised beds were only like, I think, a foot off the ground. They were oh. relatively short. Right. And they were mostly there because at that in that particular house I lived, I have had them in two different spots and in one space – I had a super tiny garden space and the raised beds allowed me because of where I had that particular set, they were able to capture the sun and I could keep them warmer longer. Mm. So they were right against a fence in an area where the sun would hit them every day. Mm -hmm. And if I, whatever I I did with them with the mulching and everything else, it would cause them to be warmer longer. Mm -hmm. And then they would warm up sooner in the winter. But again, it was sun and placement was the key with those. And those ones were six inches. It was a staggered set. So it was six inches. And the second layer of it was a total of 12 inches off the ground. And then the second set I did were on a hillside. And that's why we had them. So the top of the bed was, you know, it was like terraced. Right. So. Right. Yeah. My, uh, another thing that I know I've noticed is a friend of mine, he's on the north face of a hill. Mm -hmm. And so they're so so few things that he can really grow. He does yeah. have a greenhouse where he's got ashwagandha and some herbs nice. growing. And the he put it in a greenhouse because it's fairly close to the road, even though it's not a very well-traveled road. But they they now have bear that are in that area. Oh, nice. So he's <laughs> trying nice. to yeah, <laughs> make sure that. that they're fortifying their garden, which is fenced as yeah. if you can fence against bear. Uh, but make it so that it's more difficult for them to to come in and, and yeah. raid stuff. And yeah, I suspect bears will be more likely to go for other people's stuff if they have to go through a fence to get to it. Right, be more likely to. And say, there's yeah. plenty of blackberry for them to eat. Yeah. So I know they only sure that's only August, but but still, there's that issue. Yeah. So you have to look out for what critters. I think it's kind of weird when people say, "Well, we have." We have a ton of deer and I'm going to grow roses. Just, just pick oh, another plant. Yeah. Deer like to eat the roses. They love them. They yeah. are, they are expensive salads. Yeah. So if you have nice. deer, I mean, you could spend all of your time hating the deer or just plant things that they don't like. And there are, there are things that they, that they don't like. There we have an article yeah. about the deer proof garden on our yeah. website and you can check that out if you have, want some more information about that on the Practical Herbalist website, but. Yeah, Just I think snowberry and Oregon grape both fall into that category. Yes, most definitely. And there's some lovely little flowers, mock orange and things like that. that yeah. You know, but the, the 
being aware of your environment and being aware of the soil that you have. I know when I first started as a master gardener, people would would till their soil and they were they're like, well, it's so muddy and it's so there's so much clay. So I'm just going to till it and kind of mix in some good soil with this clay. Like, well, then you've just turned good soil into clay. Yeah, it's not going to help it. So mount using mounds Mounding, or yeah. or uh, raised beds because we're basically a river bed here, and there's a there's a ton of clay. Yeah. Well, that kind of thing is is pretty important for the area that we live in. But yeah, just it it seems like planting smart is the important thing. And then looking at another thing to keep in mind is look at your storage. How many cans of tomato sauce do you have? And how many do you really need? How many do you really need? How many are going to carry over? And if you've got a ton sitting there, well, maybe your, your, your diet has changed a little bit. So don't keep buying four, six packs of tomatoes. If you, if you're, not right. eating it as much or look in your freezer and see what you got a bunch of, you know, those turnips yeah, are this, fun to grow, but they might is, not be as delicious as you thought. Yeah. This is a good time of year to check out your pantry and see what you've got in the freezer, what you've stored from last year Yes, and make plans for using much of that so that that way, when the new fresh fruit, fresh crops come up, you can actually make use of them and yeah. you don't have a pantry full of last year's harvest still. That's right. Yep. Just yeah. keep it going and try a new vegetable or fruit or herb or, you know, like I said, a native plant. Yeah. You know, they're just so fun. Yeah. So what about your infrastructure changes? Are you doing anything this year? Well, my uh, raised beds are old now. Yeah. You've had them for how long? Like a decade? Almost two decades. Almost two, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it'll be coming up on 20 years that so we've you're been re- in that house. Your raised beds are wood, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to yep. replace them with more wood or what do you, what do you think you're going to do? I don't know. I like I like the wood because as it rots, then it just becomes something that the fungus can eat. Yeah. So um, my the apple tree is a lot bigger. So the, the rotted wood structure that used to be a great sunny side one is yeah. now under the apple tree and I don't really... You know, I need to redo that one. And there's a couple of of uh, things that are growing under what has become a little more dominant Asian pear. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I want to, I don't know. I, I planned it around more circles when I planted it. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to do more rectangles and squares because it makes sense of the fence line and the path. It is practical too it is practical wood tends to come in straight long planks it does a lot easier (laughs) yeah so i was doing like weird little angles and sun ray things and it was so cute and and i'm not i'm not that adorable so i like well and it has been 20 years it has been 20 years so it was probably adorable for like the first 13 to 15 in the last five it's probably been like well it's a little overgrown yep not quite holding itself up anymore. Yep. And and I was yeah. planning for a diet with a whole bunch of little kids. Yes. And which is different. It's different yeah. now. You know, my, my youngest is nineteen. Yeah, they grow up. They uh, grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Figure. I'm now the shorty <laughs> in the family. So yeah. they're they're mostly out of the house. I don't I don't need to really store as much as I do. Um now that yeah. I have this fantastic food dryer, I have to plant yes. with the idea that I'm gonna be drying a lot of these foods. And, yes. And herbs. I mean it's amazing. Herbs. The food dryers are wonderful for doing the um aerial parts. Yeah. 
So because you can set the yours has the temperature control, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. and so the you, berries, yeah, you know, drying those have been great, yeah. grateful, and been happy for those. And the uh, almonds, dried some almonds mm-hmm. because they don't get rancid as fast. Yes, yeah. So it's been pretty nice, a little more crispy. Yeah, well, we have plans, don't we, Patrick? Yes, we have multiple plans. I was inspired by the folks at Tyrant Farms. Tyrant? Yes. And I, I have to look up their names again. They're brilliant. They've got a brilliant duck pond plan. How to how to make your own duck pond. Oh. With natural filters. Yep. Huh. You, make, you make bogs. Yep. There's a pond, well, lake maybe. It's yeah. a thousand gallon pond that's like waist, waist She's, high, yeah. thigh high. Yeah, the and deepest part is like about three feet ish, two and a half, three feet. It's like thigh right. high. You're not planning on a thousand gallon pond in your backyard, though, right? Yeah. No, yeah, I am. That's the plan. Have Annie, you seen the mud hole back there? Annie uh-huh. and, and the court have already begun excavation. They're they are already working on it. They've showed us where the placement should be and everything. <laughs> All right. We have. How do you deal with mosquitoes? Uh, well, it has it has a filtration system, and the or, water and the water moves. Yeah, it's the not water stagnant. moves. So yeah. there's a pump system. That I mean, and the, it's moving a one and a half inch column of water. It's a it's, yeah. it's a heavy pump. Mm. Yeah, it's a strong. And it, so it filters from the it pulls from the bottom and brings it to the top. And then there's a circulation system into multiple bogs that help with the natural filtering. Wow! And from all of that, the side benefit for just making ducks happy is the um, the water animals that will appear and the insects that will appear. So you get frogs and you'll get all these other dragonflies. Dragonflies mm-hmm. and you get all these great these great critters that will help do all these different things. So even if you had some stagnant water in the in the bog, the filtration areas, which are the bogs, mm-hmm. that's what the dragonflies are for. Yeah. So everything kind of works together. So that's the idea. They've got what, six ducks? They have, I can't remember if it's six or eight. They have a larger flock than we do. Right. And they don't have any issues with smell, any issues with that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and they said, Algae. what they, because no. nope. it's moving. Okay. Water keeps moving. And they said that they have to clean out their filter once, maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. So that's not bad. They live in a colder climate than us. So they get actual like snow and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And their pond but, doesn't freeze because it's always moving. Yeah. Exactly. Where are they? I forgot. I don't know. But they got a, it was a big blog article and it was like multiple scrolling pages. They, you know, did everything that they, they had failed at or weren't successful. And then they said, this was the solution and they have a whole plan and and where to source the, the membrane for the, Mm -hmm. for the bottom, how to dig it out so that you can have tears. It's not just a big pit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's an so you can have water plants at certain yeah. levels. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you dig it into yeah. an angle into the wall so the plants won't slide out. You lay right. the rocks there, and yeah. and it's it's quite substantial. So that's the that's the big project um, this year. But my thought was, well, I'm going to be moving all of this filled dirt and clay. What am I, where am I supposed to put it? Mm-hmm. Well, then I pitch it over the fence. Pitch it over the fence. Yes, our neighbors yeah. would really like us for that. Yeah. One. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I thought. Well, why don't we do what we were talking about doing last year, which was more raised beds and use all of that base as a fill for the lower levels of it. Mm-hmm. So amongst maybe putting twigs and other things in there, we'll put... For aeration. It's going to be mostly clay coming out of there. Sure, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. the area that we're going to be putting the pond in, we've, we've lived here, I think, nine years now. Yeah. And we never reseeded it. 
Mm-hmm. So it was, and I think, I'm not sure, but I think that the way that was originally turned into grass was they laid sod on top yeah. of the clay. Probably. And yeah. just left it. Yes. The front yard, they clearly seeded it mm-hmm. and it has done much better. I mean, I still, I need to reseed and deal with it because I haven't been a great lawn keeper, mm-hmm. but the backyard, that sod just did not last. There's pretty much like this weird plastic mesh that keeps coming up all over the place amidst the mud. Mm. And the plastic mesh is from the sod, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. what about your chickens? That's a lot of that's a lot of wiggle room for those chickens to have to get rid of. Well, what do you mean? Because your chickens and your ducks right. share a, a lawn together. Yeah. Well, the chickens they can't be, go swimming around. No, they probably won't swim in the. They'll give them boats, but, but they'll they're going right. to come canoe. out. Yeah, chicken canoes. So the plan is to put the pond in and then probably properly sawed around the pond so we have grass again because Annie needs grass. And then I've got a list of plants to potentially plant in amongst the pond. Mm-hmm. And then the chickens will be out through the dry season for sure. And I'm hoping I can establish the grass well enough that they can be out all year next year. Hmm. This year, except for molting season, because I don't want Annie chases them during molting season. Oh, Yeah, and that's not great. She mm. she likes to make sure they remember she's in charge, mm. but I don't want her bothering them when they're molting because it's a really uncomfortable it's a time. time. Yeah, sure. yeah. But this year, I, I they've begun to lay eggs already. Wow, so I've had my first couple of eggs, and um, my plan, my hope was that by this time next year, they are out amongst everything else. They're out. They're out again for the wider field. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I hope you're going to be taking pictures. We'll put that on our website, that progress. It'll be a big project. Yeah, right now, and the before pictures are going to look horrible because right now it really is a giant mud hole. I mean, Mm -hmm. the ducks and Annie, the chickens began it by scratching up the grass that was in horrible shape anyway. And then the rain came and the ducks said, oh, gee, look at these little puddles. And it turns out I have a flock of puddle ducks. Mm -hmm. So they go and they muddle out. Everything, which just is really like digging the top layers of the clay to make mud. Right. And dig up any worms or things they can find, which, you know, awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now it's, like I said, they've excavated the area. I see where the pond needs to go. So there you go. Well, okay. That sounds like fun. So that's what we'll be doing is the pond and then using that clay for the, uh, for the base of new raised beds. That'll be the, yeah. the next thing that we do. Yeah. And I'm expecting work to begin on the digging sometime in late February, early March, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. I'm guessing that's when our plan for that is. So my time now is in figuring out what plants are going to go where, what plants I need to procure right. for the area, making plants. Cattails. Cattails are really good at detoxing, taking arsenic out and Reeds are really great at bioremediation. Both of those are good bioremediation plants. Yeah, I've been looking at things like calamus and iris. Oh, yeah, um, iris of, is good. Yeah, and I've been looking at Not the ones yellow that iris. Are, no, the iris, the um, iris germanica, which is, uh, uh, that one's for um, scent. because it's you know, Oh, it's yes, beautiful. smells yeah. so great. Yeah, and I know that Annie and the ducks like iris seeds, but they won't destroy the plants. Mm-hmm. Because we already have other irises out right, there. They're pretty so. sturdy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. I have some iris. Glad you said that. I have some iris rhizomes that I 
put aside for it's now been three years so now nice. i can break them up and nice. they'll smell really good it takes oh, a nice. while for yeah it does turn it orris root yeah so yeah oh nice good, good reminder so yeah that's part of why i want to do the irises because mm-hmm. i was like oh that could be fun yep and then i was thinking about putting some bee balm in there because that's apparently likes boggy soil so i'm like oh near the more boggy area that could mm-hmm. be kind of fun bee balm yeah mm-hmm. okay that's a beautiful red flower Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, and I've been pretty impressed with what I, with what I've been reading about the antibacterial and antiviral action and potency that it has. Yeah. So it makes me think, oh, it could be a really herb, good herb to have in the garden, especially since it's not one that's common um, when you go to herb shops. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. go. Time to time to get a new herb under your belt. It's so beautiful, and I really love. I've planted it a few times. I planted it out front and then our passersby said, that is, it is truly beautiful. Yeah. And then they snipped it and took it with them. Jerks. So, yep. Winkers. That was not my favorite. No, you should not be snipping other people's flowers or plants. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. That's you true. That's that. not up to you. But so, I'm yeah. better about planting things out front where pedestrians can see it that if they pull it up or whatever, then so what? It'll be a lot more. Um, yeah. They can do that. It's okay. Yeah. I'm better about it. But it has come through a, a variety of different ways of expressing rage mm-hmm. by people I don't know and probably will never meet. Yes. <laughs> so, so my next week is definitely going to be digging into my books and making some lists and starting to plan out areas. Digging into uh-huh. your garden books. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Punning, my friend. <laughs> Well, uh, we have a bunch of show notes that you guys can dig through because uh-huh. we're talking about digging. Bring out your mental shovel and check out uh, the the links. Follow them through. Uh, I think I'm going to add another. I'm going to add a mystery garden book link through Amazon. That'll be a mystery garden book link for mm. people to enjoy that we recommend. Sounds so, like a good plan. Yeah. So uh, as we say, put an herb on it. Put an herb on oh, it. Oh, we're not done yet. Why not? Uh, I'm not done yet. You didn't even look at me. I'm like waiting and waiting. Oh, you got. You got well, no, I, I, I was just going to say, if you like this show, make sure to uh, share it. And if you more like it even more, make sure to um, give us a, a review on iTunes. Love to hear from you. And if you're going to be doing some garden planning and have some great ideas that you're coming up with, hey, we're on Pinterest. Share those ideas with us. Go mm-hmm. ahead and put your pictures of your awesome garden plan or your seeds or some cool tools that you might find. That's on Pinterest. You can do the same thing with Instagram. If you're out there planning your garden, share it with us. Tag it. Um, hashtag the Practical Herbalist. Love to see that stuff um, happening and engage in discussion. And again, also, we're on Facebook. So if you want to share there, too, you can. Yep. Love and a YouTube channel. Doing. Yeah, and and our YouTube channel. If um, I don't, I don't. They can't really share their own videos there. They can no, like, but they, no, can, they can, you know, they can like they it. Can like it. Yeah, they they can like it. But and uh, if you know. they want, they can create playlists that include videos of ours and videos of sure. theirs and that kind of thing. And then when people search on whatever it is, like if you're searching on garden planning, you're there. Somebody's playlist of garden planning may come up. Uh-huh. All I right. I haven't done a lot with that, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. So from Patrick. Candace and Sue. That's Real Herbals Radio. And reminding you to... Put an herb on it. Put an herb on it. Put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast 
or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.